Let me begin with a word of prayer. O great God, who uh, is high and lifted up, who should be exalted in our hearts and in our lives, we thank you that you are a God who speaks. And you speak to us clearly through your word. And we are uh, humbled by that. And we just ask now that even as we approach your word, you would um, stir us up with uh, a passion for your name, that you would humble us, that you would uh, exalt our Savior, and that you would strengthen our faith, that we would hear you, you would speak to us, and we would listen. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I think a couple of the greatest needs of a human being are to find something that they can trust in. Uh, Through this time of pandemic, uh, we are constantly trying to find the sources of information we can trust. Is that true? Is Is that factual? They said that yesterday, but they didn't say that today. It's really hard for us to to trust in a source of information, something that we are to, uh, is supposed to change the way we live. You know, if we have good information about the virus and how it's affecting our health or somebody in, in our age category, then yeah, you're going you're gonna to live differently because of the information you have. Well, if the source is not trustworthy, if the source has some sort of corruption factor to it or, or some sort of... Um, a lack of information or the inability to communicate the information or it's information they give you that applies to you but not to them. You you can't trust it and it's hard to live. If you're supposed to live based on that information, it's hard. And so we're looking for trustworthy sources. Another thing people are looking for in, in this time is a place to put their hope. They want to hope in a vaccine. We just need to hurry up and get this vaccine. Or we need to hope that this thing was definitely conspiracy theory because then we can at least hope that it'll be over soon. Or, or we hope that um, it won't affect us. Or we hope that we won't need to get to that place. We hope that our protective equipment works. Or we hope that we don't need it at all. There's things that people are trying to latch onto to try to find hope. Like, give me this glimmer of, of relief from the the fear or the anxiety or any sense of worry. I need something to hope in. Give me something good. People are also trying to find things that will bring them delight. At the end of a a dark day, maybe a dark shift for a nurse, they are trying to find something to distract themselves. And and you and I know uh, that oftentimes what we try to find to delight ourselves in, to distract ourselves from whether it's a present trouble or it's just a out of pure laziness, um, the things we try to find delight in often are sinful, but they always fall short. The things that people delight in in this life here and now, uh, it lasts for a moment, but then it's gone. And it might last for a season and for, for years and extend into years. Things that we can find to delight ourselves in. Well, if I just get this thing or that then I will have a, a great sense of delight um, or, or even something, affection for something. You, you, you put your hope in, if, if you just get this one thing, if you can just see your kids, if you could just have that um, check come through, that, that therefore you will be restored in your sense of delight and joy even. People are looking for where they can find a sense of happiness and, and delight and something that they're to hope in, that they're giving that. The last thing that people are, are thinking about is, is love, is 
What does it mean to love my neighbor? What does it mean to love my God? What does it mean to love my family? And how is my love looking differently? Perhaps you're having marriage difficulties being in quarantine. Uh, perhaps that is really putting a strain on your understanding of love and your, your commitment to love. And, and you're seeing that even the people you love and people who say they love you have let you down. What is love? Is love just a, gang, a glanging symbol? We must uh, then evaluate, well, what is the love that we have this desire for? Humanly speaking, what, what has been designed into us by our Creator is that we need to trust in things. We need to hope in something. We need to delight in something. And we need to love something. But all the things that we normally pursue let us down. And that's okay. And it's meant to be that way because... As we will discover in our passage this morning, God is the one who is to satisfy all of our needs. And oftentimes he will allow things in our lives, allow things out of our lives to show us, to rip the rug from under us, to show us that it is he who will satisfy. In your Bibles, look at Psalm 119, beginning at verse 41 through 48. This is God's word. It says, let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then I shall have my answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. I will keep your law continually, forever and ever. I shall walk in a wide place, uh, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings, and shall not be put to shame. For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands towards your commandments, which I love. And I will meditate on your statutes. This is God's word. The four things that we need, the four things that we are realizing a day in and day out that we are pursuing, if it is anywhere else in God, we always come up short. And the first is something to trust in. We can't trust our sources here on the earth. We can't trust any source, no matter how reputable a news source may be, a, a doctor might be in their expertise. People and, and things still fail us. And so then, what is it then we are hoping in, in life and in death? What is it that we place our trust in? Here, uh, David says in verse 42, I trust in your word. I trust in it. I, I believe in it. I, I am willing to place my faith on your word. That is, I am going to sit and put my whole self on it. I'm going to allow you and your word to bear all the weight of my trust. I, I trust in your word. If you can say that with your own heart, then that means you know the, God, the word of God is trustworthy. That he has proven himself over and over again from his word that it is a trustworthy Source, Not just of information, but it's a trustworthy source of promise. It's a trustworthy source of truth. It is a trustworthy source 
of all things that you need for life and salvation. Salvation, and I mean life, life, eternal life, uh, satisfied life, hopeful, eternal life. The Bible is our trustworthy source. When all other things will come and go, theories may come and go, even theologies will, will come and go and have cracks in them. The Word of God is something in which we can trust. The, the Christian life then is made up of the, the person of God, you and of me, being a man or woman who trusts in the Word. Well, it's just like things in this world, though. If you don't know something and you haven't seen it proven, sometimes you, you don't trust it. The Word of God is the same. Then maybe, you know, you know it says these things to be true. You know it talks about forgiveness. You know it talks about no condemnation. But do you trust it? Have you experienced it? And then that's the hard part is when you and I are, are not in our Bibles as much as we should be or where we uh, just kind of read through it without taking time to meditate or, or chew on it, we don't know necessarily how to trust His Word in such a way that it encourages us, that it is, it, we know that it is trustworthy. But here's the thing, the Word of God doesn't even need to prove itself to be trustworthy to you. You don't even need to be able to piece two and two together and know that that promise uh, was fulfilled in this chapter and verse. You don't even need to know those things. You don't need to be aware of those at all. We're thankful God does reveal those things to us. We're thankful God has fulfilled promises that we can point to very specifically that he has given us some reason to trust his word. But if, even if any of those things had not been true, we still know that if this is God's word, as we believe it is, then because it is God's word, it is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. So therefore, all he says, all the information he provides, all that he promises is something to be trusted at all times. And Sometimes that's going to require us to trust in faith, to trust in belief. We say, God, I know your word and I know you are true. Therefore, I trust it. I might not be, um, I might have a hard time believing it at this moment, especially in my life. You know, if you and I think about the promises about there's no more shame and no more condemnation, and then you evaluate your own life, you think, ah, the, the Bible says that, but I certainly feel otherwise. Well, as Jeremiah 17, 9 says, don't trust your heart, for it's deceitful above all things and it's desperately wicked. So don't trust your feelings on this one. Don't trust what you're, you're feeling that you're condemned because your feelings may be lying to you. If you're in Christ, Romans 8, 1 says, there is no condemnation for you because Christ has already taken all the condemnation. He's taken all the sin. He's taken all the judgment. So therefore, when God looks down on you, there's no condemnation left. He sees you as he sees his son, Christ. And so when it comes to things like that in the Bible, do you trust that? Is that a trustworthy source for you? Something that you can bank your life on and say, because of the truths held within this book, David says, I trust in your word. So that he says, when someone who's going to taunt me, whether when the devil taunts me or sin taunts me or others taunt me and say, oh, look at you, you're a crazy little Christian. He says, no, it's okay. I trust in your word. I'm not going to be put to shame because I trust in the word of God. Whether they say it or not, whether they see it or not, matters not to me. What matters to me is that God is trustworthy and therefore I will put my whole life 
in, in the hands of his word. I will trust in his word and what it says for me. And, and because I trust his word, I'm going to allow the word of God to have bear on my life more than even situations or circumstances or my own heart's feelings. I'm going to allow the word of God to take control and to transform the renewing of my mind uh, and through his word, which is true. Your word is truth, it says. And so this is where we are, don't need to look for trustworthy sources in the world. We don't need to put any sort of hope in, in trustworthy sources here and now. Um, yes, when you're trying to think about the present circumstance, our pandemic, you might be wanting to still find trustworthy sources. But above that, that desire and that hunt, um, look to God and his word and what it says about who you are and who he is and what's going on with sin in the world. And what matters most is, is the, your soul and the news source and the news anchor and, and theology and theology textbooks and, and, and Christians aren't are not the source that God is. And so we go to his word, we trust in it, and then all those who would preach it unadulterated to us, and we, and we take it as Bereans. We hear when someone tells us something about the word of God, a piece of information that you want to trust in, you want to believe in with your life, so that it might change you, and you're Berean. So you go back to the Bible and you say, all right, is, is this what it says? Is this what it means? What did it mean when they wrote it? And, and what, how did God intend that to, to bear on my life? And so this is, as we note, as David notes here, it's a word that can be trusted. But the second thing that people are searching for is something to hope in. And, and you and I know this. If you've been a Christian any length of time in your life, or if, you've not, if you're not a Christian at all, you know that nothing in this world is really worth hoping in. Because all things can let you down. All things can let you down. You could hope in even something that has really high chances of success. But in the end, it may still let you down. Even when you think of hoping in, in, a, in a health or, or diet or, or, or the fact that you live today and you have a, a clean bill of health, you're, you're kind of in, in one sense hoping in that. Well, tomorrow you could die. And so if that's your hope, if you're hoping in things that are unshaking, without promises, with, that are sometimes not true, or they're, they're deceptive, then your life is going to be let down after let down after let down and, and disappointment. But that's not where we stand as people who trust in the word of God. He says in verse 43, Take not your word of truth utterly out of my mouth. Like Let your word be present in my mouth, for because my hope is in your rules. I, this is where I place my hope. I don't, I don't hope in everything else and expect it to satisfy me. I hope in your word. I, I, I hope in it. This is where I find rest. This is where I find satisfaction and assurance that I hope in your word. I have a great faith in your word, a great trust in your word, and a satisfaction in your word. This is where my hope is. It is not a vain, wishful thinking. This is a hope that satisfies and is found only in the word of God. And so therefore, he says, 43, I'll keep your law continually forever and ever. And then the third thing people are searching for is something to delight themselves in, something to bring them joy, something to, whether it's distract them or just to, to be satisfied in, something to, to bring them out of a pit, bring them to a place of happiness and joy and, and lightheartedness, perhaps. Well, here David says in 47, I find my delight 
in your commandments. I find my delight in them. In the Word of God, in the Bible, as you read it, as you allow it to be your trust and your hope, you begin to see things that actually bring you deep joy, deep delight, things you can look to that will bring you um, satisfaction and, and happiness, knowing that even though you are a sinner with a record of sin and stain on your life and unrighteousness in your life, there is a joy to be had, that that can be forgiven in Christ. That we can look to him and we can be freed from the guilt and freed from the shame and freed from eternity in hell. There is a joy. There is a delight and we find it in his word. It gives us many things to delight in, namely God. We can delight ourselves in God. The more we see him to be true the more we see him to be merciful and just and, and perfect, the more we see him to be holy and a father, then we can delight ourselves in this word because it, it is teaching us these things. It is, uh, it is transforming our hearts as we, as we hope in it, as we trust in it. It is, it is literally transforming the people that we are so that we have more delight, that we're not looking around at all the things that will eventually let us down, all the delights of this world that might last for a moment, but they're gone tomorrow. If you read the book of uh, the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon, you'll see all the pleasures of this world. All the things that people think bring them delight. He pursued them and he obtained them. And at the end of the day, he still said it was vanity. It was like chasing after the wind. None of it satisfied. And, and even if it did satisfy, it was only for a short moment. That's what all the joys of this world are, just momentary glimpses of a greater joy we're to seek in, in the one who gives us those momentary joys. It is God whom we delight ourselves in and we discover that coming to bear on our lives through his words. So that's why David says, I delight in your commandments. And these are the commandments, he says, 47, which I love. And then 48, I will lift up my hands towards your commandments, which I love. Now I wonder if you can say that with conviction, that you love the commandments, that you love the precepts, that you love the testimonies of God, you love God's word. You know that if someone claims to have love for their spouse, for example, but never spends time with them, never listens to them, um, never praises them, um, doesn't spend much time to study and get to know them. If someone claims to love their children but has no clue who their friends are, no clue what their favorite color is or their, their passions are, if someone claims to love cars but has no clue what the difference is between a, a four-cylinder and a V8, if people claim love all they want, but it's proven in the way they live. It's proven in, in where you spend your time and where you spend your money and where you allow your mind to be soaked up with and, and consumed by. And so we want to be people where we can get to this point where we say, I love your word. And, and all Christians, you know, we say that, yes, we do love his word because it teaches us 
who we are and who God is, and it teaches us the gospel of the good news that we can be saved. But this is something that I hope you, even in this season where maybe you're getting more time in the Bible, you're recognizing perhaps you do not love the Word of God as much as it's lovable. It is so lovely. It should be lovely to our ears, but instead, uh, in our own sinful flesh, we are just distracted. We're distracted, but imagine that was the, the case in your relationship with your spouse. You saw someone who this is true of, and they said, I, I love my spouse above all things, obviously under Jesus, but I love my spouse. All earthly things, my spouse is my greatest treasure. And then and you see the way they live, and you wonder if it's really true or if they misunderstand what love is, um, if they misunderstand why they should love their spouse that way. Oftentimes we, quote unquote, love so that we might get something. We love because we uh, benefit from that relationship uh, or it brings us some sort of delight or it brings us some sort of hope or it brings us some sort of trust. But the word of God, we are to love because it is God's word. We're to love it because God has spoken to us. God has recorded for us his very character, his, his nature, his heart, his glory. So the question is, do we love God's word because of what it does for us? Because it does amazing things for us. Or do we love it because of its nature? That it is God's word. That it is holy. That in its original it was inerrant. Do we love it? For God communicating to us, little mere worms on this earth that God has spoken and it's been recorded so that we might comprehend. Do we love that about God? Do we love this word that it is sharper than a two-edged sword? That it cuts to our hearts? Do we love the word? That it is uh, mighty to save? That, that through the word uh, we come to a knowledge of Jesus? That it is through the word. As you, you, know, you meditate upon Romans chapter 10, you hear, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And we love that truth. We trust in that truth. We hope in that truth. We take delight in that, that sinners might be saved and rescued from a sinful um, heart and a sinful pattern. But how might they call on him, it says further in Romans 10, of the one they've not heard. So it says, so... So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We love the word because it gives us faith. It encourages our faith. It grows our faith. It, it enables our trust in him. And so we, we love it. And that love is made manifest through how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we spend our thought life, how we spend our memory. And so my challenge to myself from this word is, I say I love the Word of God, and I do, but I don't love it nearly as much as I ought because of all that it should mean to me. And my life proves that, and my time proves that, and my intellect and my, my, my memory proves that, that I would far rather spend time, unfortunately, thinking about myself and things that are momentary and bring me delight for a second. And so, I don't know if you would pray with me for yourself that, that we might be people who love the word of God more, that we might be people who delight in his commandments, that we might be people who find our hope in here, in the words of our God, 
and that we may be people who would trust in his word. Let us be people then who are so enthralled with the word of God that it would change the way we live. It would change the way we interact with people. As we see in this passage, it changes the, the joy, it changes the uh, walk, it changes the speech, it changes the obedience. The word of God changes the physical form. The word of God does all of these things. And so my prayer for you and for me is that we would be those who are taken deeper into our love relationship with the word of God as we spend time with God. And he proves himself over and over to us in and through it, and just the benefit of us being in this word. So we need to pray to that end. We need to pray as we've discovered elsewhere in Psalm 119 for help in this endeavor. And so I'm going to do that now for you and for me so that we might, uh, even as a result of this short passage that we've looked at together, that we might be people who are transformed by this word, that we would be people who are not worried about what this new source we can trust in, not worried about where we might find our hope in this life, not worried and and pursuing a delight that's only going to satisfy for a minute, and not being so let down by the things that we love in this world that let us down, but instead we are um, we are trusting in the God's word, we are hoping in God's word, we are delighting in God's word, and we are loving God's word. Let me pray for you. God, you are magnificent. You are unlike us in every respect. You are above us, even if we can quantify that. And yet you have spoken to us through your word. You've not left us as people who need to look around the world and try to find a trustworthy source. But you've left us your word. And your word is trustworthy. You've not left us as people on this earth for uh, longing for things to hope in. You have given us the greatest hope, a hope in an unshaking word, your word of promise. We are not people that you have left us just longing after delights which only last but a breath and but a moment. But instead, you have given us yourself through your word where Psalm 1611 says, there is joy Uh, forevermore and pleasure at your right hand. And so we thank you for that. And God, you have not left us with um, things and people to love and people who love us that that oftentimes will let us down. But instead, you uh, have a word in which we can love and trust and as it communicates your love to us. Help us then to be people who love your word above all things, and that it is proven in our life by how you're transforming us, renewing us, shaping us to be people of your word, reflecting our lives uh, dependent upon your word, hoping, trusting, delighting, and loving. Would you grant us to this, this to us, in the precious name of Christ we pray. Amen.